It's great to uh, see you today. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, for those of you that came to be a part of the baptism, congratulations for your family member. And we're so glad that you're here. What a meaningful and special day this is. And uh, like Andrew said, always, always such an incredible moment. For those of you that are watching online, we're so glad. Uh, some of you are watching online just to see one of uh, your friends or family members get baptized. And so it'll be on there forever. Isn't that great about the internet? Some of you uh, better be careful what you do. It's there forever. So that's right. That's right. So anyway, it's there. Uh, really glad you're here today with us. And I appreciate the whole team that made that happen. And, uh, and it's such a special time for us. Probably the one of the things that I'm... Uh, and understand when I say I'm most proud of, I don't even think it's like a spiritual pride, but I just got in the tank, so maybe it's gone. But no, the, the, uh, the, probably one of the most accomplishments that I'm probably most proud of is uh, when I had the opportunity to climb Mount St. Helens. And uh, 8,300 feet. I was so glad that the top blew off because I know I couldn't have made it. It used to be 96, right? So kind of came down a little bit. But... Uh, I had a friend that was an experienced climber, and he was talking with another guy, and they had, they had climbed all five peaks of the Northwest, and it sounded so intriguing. I said, hey, let's put together a climb, and let's do Mount St. Helens. And so uh, there got to be a group of us, and um, we, we had to get certain permits, and uh, we were supposed to uh, train, which uh, I kind of did a little bit, kind of took a few hikes, um, hiked to the fridge, hiked to the back, no, I... I, I took a couple walks up a couple hills and thought, okay, I can do this. And uh, we had to get the permits for it. Um, we had to leave Newburgh at midnight. Yeah, 12 midnight. And we got to the trail and we started the hike at 4 a.m. And we started working our way through. Had snowshoes and uh, we, were, we were ready to go. Uh, we got to know each other as a group. And we imagined what it would be like to get to the top. And we experienced false summits. If you ever uh, climbed anything, we experienced like, you know, we'd get to a place and go, oh, that's got to be the top. And then you get over the, and it's like, oh, there's more and there's more. So we experienced those together. Um, we thought, you know, man, this is only going to get harder. By 11 a.m., I just have to tell you, my legs are jelly. They're burning. I'm shaky. I'm spent. But I continued with the group. And pretty soon our group kind of started spreading out where uh, one of the more experienced person kind of stayed with the last person and, and we were kind of spreading out a little further. There was a lot of people on the trail that day though. And you know, the closer we got to the top, pretty soon some would have to stop. Some of our group was not able to ultimately finish the climb. But uh, just, we just kept trying to see, man, I'm almost there, almost there. Pretty soon um, I'm pretty much just looking down. I'm looking down at this trail. I'm looking down at this, this little track of uh, kind of steps in deep snow. And um, I mean, it's like the last 100 yards and I could do like one step, two step, and then I have to stop. And then I do one step, two step, and then I'd like, nope, can't, nope. And then something inside me, okay, okay. But here's the deal. People that were coming on the way back down began to pass me and they didn't know me. I'm just a fellow hiker on the trail, but they didn't know that I was a wannabe hiker. <laughs> they didn't care that I just bought the jacket like two days before and rented the boots, right? And, and I wore my hat like an experience. I mean, they, they didn't know all that about me. They didn't care, but they were encouraging me. 
And, and they, they, they would say, man, you're almost there. You're, you're almost there. You can make it just a little further. And one guy just said, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Just keep going. You'll be so glad you did. Everything in my body is screaming at this point, and, and, and I've, just, I've, just got, I've got snow down my boots. Let me just tell you something. I didn't know there's a thing called gaiters. If you ever climb a mountain, wear gaiters. I found out on the way, oh, that's why you wear gaiters, because snow will get down inside your boot, in, under your socks, <laughs> you know, and, and so it was scratchy, and, you know, so anyway, I'm, but we make it to the top. We make it to the top, and I see a crowd along the rim of the top of Mount St. Helens. And, and I get to the room and I look over. I look over into the crater. And the scope and magnitude, absolutely unparalleled. Like nothing I'd ever seen before. The colors, I mean, pictures cannot even capture it. And I'm there with my group of friends and we celebrate together and we wait for the others and we finally gather as a group and, and we, we sat there and we talked and we talked about the hike up and, and we talked about what it looked like and how much it meant to be there. And, and we were just like, okay, man, this is something. And we looked at each other, man, forever we've got this memory that we experience this together. And we took our pictures and then we made our descent and then we began to pass people on the trail. And you know what we said? You're almost there. It's so worth it. Take it from me, a wannabe. <laughs> you, if I can do it, you can do it. And we just begin to encourage people and we made it down to the bottom. And you know what? If you don't hear anything else, let me just tell you something. Any, anything worthwhile is uphill. Anything worthwhile is uphill. And I'm going to tell you, much of life is uphill. I noticed something in the book of Matthew that just the other day, and as I was reading about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, and you might remember that Jesus had large crowds that were following him, and so he would go up a little higher, and he would climb up and speak, and people would, it was kind of like a natural amphitheater up from the Sea of Galilee, and he would teach them, and he delivers the Beatitudes. But I never noticed the imagery of the moment until I read the Matthew translator passage out of the message translation. Message translation is sometimes great just to read for another picture, another little clarity. Matthew 5, 2, or 1 to 2 says this, When Jesus saw his ministry was drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. I love that. It reminded me as I read that of my ascent to Mount St. Helens. It reminded me of my climbing companions that led me and helped me and what it meant to have them there. And it reminded me of those that encouraged me along the way. The obvious correlation I'm getting to today is not so much a physical climb, I'm talking about our spiritual life and making ways, making progress, going uphill in our spiritual walk and our journey with Jesus. Now we've been looking at this subject of refocus. If you're a guest with us or watching online, this is the fifth installment as we're studying through the books of First and Second Timothy. And uh, Timothy has a mentor by the name of Paul that's giving him instruction as a young pastor. And we see the mentorship that Paul is in Timothy's life as we read this. And the passage today, 2 Timothy 
in chapter 3, Paul is investing in Timothy and calling him to gain example and encouragement from the life of faith that Paul has lived and lived out. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Maybe you've heard this before. Everybody needs a Paul in your life and everyone needs a Timothy in your life. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Someone to invest in you and everyone, if you're going to really grow to your spiritual uh, potential, you need someone that you can invest in. So 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. We're just going to read this chapter and we'll, we'll take off from there for the rest of our time. But 2 Timothy 3, 10 says this, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish, and they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. And then verse 14, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong about our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So Paul is showing the power of having someone to follow. He's, he's basically saying, Timothy, guess what? We've been climbing companions. And it's a person to follow in the faith and equipped with the word of God. Like I said, I'm not talking, I just don't want to follow anybody. Notice that Paul's life is grounded in the word of God. He's like, if it's not about Jesus Christ and him crucified, then I ain't about it. And so Timothy is following in these steps. And Paul talks about a couple things. First of all, the thing that's so noticeable in this passage that Timothy is, is, is going to see is the purpose, Paul's purpose. Paul's purpose in life was very clear. It was to glorify God. He was all about doing God's will, finishing strong, running the race. He, he taught true doctrine. He was unwavering. He would confront false teaching. In fact, that was the reason for the books of 1 and 2 Timothy and also the other pastoral epistle of Titus to these young pastors. He wanted to confront false teaching, central truth, Jesus, his death and resurrection. No add-ons, no subtractions. He was focused on purpose. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how Paul would use examples like that of an athlete of running the race, not just to participate, but he ran to win. He didn't just hike, just to hike. He wanted, I'm going to get to the top. I'm going to see the view from the top. And it was his commitment to purpose. And in verse 10, he says, but you, Timothy, very personal, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and my patience and my love and my endurance. 
Another place, Paul told the church in one of his writings that his purpose was always focused forward. Paul knew if anything is worthwhile, it's uphill. Jesus is always uphill. And he would say, I forget what is behind. That thing that wakes you up in the night and the thing that wakes you up in the morning when you look yourself in the mirror and you say, well, I think I'm doing all right, but I remember. (laughs) You always remember the worst stuff, right? Paul says, you know what? I forget what's behind. And I press on towards what's ahead, what's in front of me. And notice, this is something that's great, and we, we're using this as an example today. Notice how Paul's purpose becomes Timothy's purpose. And he says, but you, Timothy, you, you know me. You have followed me. You see the example that I've set. It was my purpose, and this purpose is transferable, and it must become your purpose. So, I don't know if, if you're grasping the power of this, and because when, when you're on a climb and there's only one purpose, it's to get higher onto the trail. Like I said, it's get to the top and come back again. That's the purpose. It's like, well, I'm, I'm just going for the trail mix. <laughs> How dumb would that be, right? I do love me some trail mix, let me tell you what, I'm telling you. And it did not last long enough. Note to self, next time, double the trail mix. But anyway, I'm just here to wear these boots. I mean, I look, I look good. And that's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying, I didn't mean like that, but I said, I don't want everybody looking and go, whoa, where'd you get that, a grandma's closet? I mean, I, I, went, I went to REI and we messed around a little bit. And I, I, you know, I'm saying. But you know what? It didn't matter what I was wearing. When I got to the top, I didn't go, I'm sure glad I spent way too much money on this coat. (laughs) You know, I'm sure glad I rented these. No, I was just like going, God, you're so awesome. (laughs) I made it. Somebody carry me down. (laughs) That's kind of the way it went a little bit. but. But Jesus said, I'm going further on the mountains. You see, the, the purpose is to climb. The purpose is to move forward. That's why Paul said, man, forget what's behind. Let's keep going ahead. The purpose is ahead. And Jesus said this, I'm going further up the mountain. And I love how that said the committed followed him. But there were probably some in the crowd that preferred to stay by the lake. You know, there are always going to be people like, oh, Jesus is moving up. I like the lake. I like the breeze. I like what I'm feeling here. I mean, it's like that looks like work. But there was also people that never heard a word that Jesus said because they didn't go forward. And they missed it all. They didn't have that same purpose. They probably weren't the climbing companions. Everyone needs a Paul in their life. Everyone needs a Timothy in their life. Follow someone with purpose. And the second key in his life, not only did he see a purpose, but... Timothy saw the practice. Here's what I love about Paul. Paul's life message and his life matched up. He didn't live, the way he lived every day was consistent with what he preached on Sunday. Some of you, you might not have this testimony that my dad was the same person, my parents were the same person at church as they were at home. That's an incredible, I have that testimony and I'm grateful for that. Not everybody does. And it, it, it's a wound and it's deep when you see one person act one way 
in one place and not another. But that was not Paul. He didn't talk about sacrifice and live in luxury. <laughs> he didn't talk about giving and going without, without giving others when he had the opportunity to. He lived out the truth even when it was not convenient. He spoke the truth even when it meant suffering. He didn't ask others to do anything that he wasn't willing to do. Many times Paul would say, guess what? <laughs> you, need to, you need to repent. You need to repent of your sins. And guess what? I'm probably the worst sinner you'll ever meet. I can follow somebody like that. I, I love that about Paul. And he lived out the truth and he, he spoke the truth. He didn't ask others to do things he wasn't willing to do. And he tells Timothy, you know, you've watched, you've heard the stories. Interesting, verse 11 there, it says, you know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know about how I was persecuted. And he uses some examples at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from them all. What happened in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, Lystra were stuff of legend in the early church. Those stories had permeated the early church. We, and you can read about it in the book of Acts. He goes and preaches in Antioch and they run him out of the town. Literally, they run him out of town. And then he goes to, uh, uh, he goes to Iconium and they stone him. <laughs> Not that way. They stone him with rocks, right? And then Lystra, literally, they drag him outside of town. There was some stoning involved and they leave him for dead. I mean, he's just like, dude, wow. Okay. Paul, Timothy, the church knew about these. You imagine the helpers with like smelling salts, like, Paul, Paul. And he's like, what happened? And you got beat up again. Oh, we all thought you were dead. Oh, good service, good service. <laughs> hey, Paul, how many fingers I got up? Nine. Okay, let's go. Get some ice. Let's go. He practiced what he preached, right? There's a, there's a practice to this. He stayed on message. His purpose was fixed. And what we're seeing here that the Christian life is, is meant to be grown into. It's not just a camp to sit in. There's training involved. That's why he continues to use those examples. It's like an athlete that's training. You're not an athlete if you sit on the couch and wait, right? You've got to get in the game. He talks about a farmer that is excited about what comes out of the ground. The farmer's always excited about what comes out of the ground if he's been in the game and put stuff in the dirt, right? He's talking about these examples. There's training involved. In verse 14, he says, you know, you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. They've been put into his life. And you know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. I know a lot of young people that grow up in church and they've got youth pastors and pastors that lovingly teach them. And then they go to college and they learn that, man, I can't trust what they told me. Or they run into somebody and they watch the latest YouTube and say, wait a minute, that wasn't true. And there's a lot of students that will what is called deconstruct their faith. That happens. But guess what? We all had to grow up. How many dumb things did you say before you were, you know, no, no testimonies, right? But you believe things. You got to grow. You got to wrestle with stuff. Parents call and say, my kid doesn't believe anymore. It's like, oh, okay, it's not over. Just relax. You know, just, you can, that deconstruction, they got to make it their own. 
and build it their own. But I love what he says. Look back, man. Don't discredit those that have put into your life. The picture here, as we see, is that Timothy, Timothy was, had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. Not a perfect home. Never mentions dad. Right? It's just his grandma putting into his life. And his mom putting into his life. Come on, single moms. Come on, grandmas. Don't stop. And it makes a difference in his life. And Lois and Eunice, great names. And you say, well, I didn't grow up that way. Some of us did, and we still didn't grow the way we should have. It's all about getting into the climb. It's all about getting in. It's about growing up. And sometimes you say, well, if I'd have got it younger. You know, there was a recent national study done by a sociologist in Notre Dame, Notre Dame. So they, and they studied the religion of America's youth. And they found that the faith of Christian youth is a very faint version of faith. And what they're, I'm going to say, what they're catching from their parents is something that they call a moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's a fancy way to say it just boils down to being nice, feel good about yourself, and save God for emergencies. Wow, that's our Christian kids. And that's not all of them. And people don't want to teach that. But like I always said, there's some things that are better caught than taught. Because they're watching our lives, right? We're talking about a practice and a purpose and being intentional. Because from one generation to the next, they're not just going to pick up. They've got to make it their own. They get to heaven and say, "Um, I'm here on my grandma's membership. (laughs) It's like, nope. You know, my mom was awesome. Okay. My dad used to pray louder than anybody else. Doesn't matter. What about your life? Everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Timothy. We got some Pauls in room in the room. Male and female, Paul and Paulines. Hello. And some of these younger people, you say, you know what? I want to spend some time with you and just pour into your life. And some of <laughs> younger ones, I almost said us younger ones, <laughs> used to be. I could get away with that. We knew to allow that. And the study concluded that what youth really need is a faith formation where they practice the language of their faith and see that faith calls them to a, a mission that's bigger than themselves. Call to serving others and not just their own desires. I love what's happening in our youth ministry when our students go on a missions trip because, and listen, I know, I mean, you can say, man, I have tried to teach my children and you're Charlie Brown's teacher, right? And they go on a missions trip and they come back and they say, Emily is the smartest woman in the world. Pastor Emily knows everything. And you've been telling them that, you know, for it's a different voice. But I love it when they can get out of their comfort zone and see that life is bigger than them, right? And the message that to Timothy, Paul says, you know, you've got this example from others and, and it's formed in Scripture. Listen, it's not either or. He talks about the importance. Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. The, the Word of God is a mirror. 
And as you're reading the, 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 the things in the Bible, sometimes you can compare it to your own life and say, whoa, I'm not living that way. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us how to do what is right. The word of God is true. It helps in a couple ways. Not only does it point to Jesus, but it guides us in the climb. So Paul tells Timothy, you have this family background and you have this grandma and, and a mother who trained you and you have a calling that is evident and, and you have a mentor to follow, but you can't do it without the word of God. The scriptures is a light and a mirror and an example of how to do it and how not to do it. You know, you can learn anything from anyone and I worked a few years with someone that wasn't the best leader. And I complained about it until I had a mentor come alongside and said, you know, Dave, sometimes it's good just to see how not to do things. This is going to be an invaluable lesson to you, right? And you say, what about the Old Testament? I don't know my kids reading that. I mean, it's like, those are horrible examples. Yeah, there's some examples that say, man, here's why we don't do that. I love the word, the word of God because they don't dress it up. I think if, if we were really trying to promote Christianity and we wanted to write our own Bible, we'd probably tell all the good stuff. But man, it's in the raw. It just shows the bad decisions, the, the consequences of those decisions. And I can read it and I can see. And that's the thing I love about Scripture. It's not dressed up. You see the failure. You see the falls. You also see those who figure out and keep climbing. And you can find about any, any situation in the Word of God and you see the results of the outcome. I don't find neglect to raise my kids. Oh, that's what happens. Oh, wow, okay. That didn't turn out so well. If I'm generous with my resources, well, okay. There's a reward that I can't get any other way. I don't have to experience the pain of an extramarital affair and the damage that, be, that can be done because David has lived it out for me and it's right there in black and white. That makes sense? I don't have to lie and hide my sin to know how it turns out for a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. I can look at that and say, man, just be honest. Just be truthful. And we see life after life that's wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and we can go back and then sometimes it's great to see an example that... And that's not how to do it. And Paul says to Timothy, take this example of others. Take the scriptures. It keeps you on that path. Everyone needs a Paul in their life. Everyone needs a Timothy in their life. Someone to learn from. Someone to mentor. And there's one more thing because there's another piece in Paul's story. We didn't read about it today, but I think you need that in there. Everybody needs a Paul, but everybody needs a Barnabas. And then everybody needs a Timothy. Barnabas is kind of the, the, the gooey middle in the cookie. And uh, Barnabas, name, his name literally meant son of encouragement, right? Paul's first missionary journey, when he's getting beat up <laughs> and getting rocked to sleep, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like with, with rocks, and he's got Barnabas there that's just encouraging him and saying, man, you can do this thing. It was on that first missionary journey that they encounter Timothy's family, and the church in Lystra. And, and there's this, this son of encouragement that's there, man. You need a mentor ahead of you. You need someone to encourage you alongside the way. And then someone to pour into you. And as I was thinking about this passage, and I'm going to come back to the climb at my, Mount St. Helens and my experience on the trail, 
I'm always hit by the effect, as I remember those fellow climbers, the climbing companions, and the impact that they had on my life and my ability. Clint is a much more experienced hiker than I am, Pastor Clint, and he uses a lot of illustration of his hiking. And we were talking the other day, and he said, you know what? People, fellow hikers are some of the nicest people around. I mean, when you're out on a trail, they're just so encouraging and so nice. And if you're halfway up, they'll always tell you what good's going to happen to you. And I'm just thinking, that is amazing. Isn't that what the church should be? As we are climbing companions together, as we gather, anything worthwhile is uphill. Jesus is always calling us uphill. And we gather in this room once a week and we all come in. And guess what? We've all been going uphill one way or another. When's the last time we just looked at one another and said, you know what, I'm going to let the Barnabas come out of me. How are you doing, man? How's things going in your life? Well, it's not going well. Guess what? You can do it. You're, you're almost there. I've, I've been a little heady. You, you can keep, man, just keep going. It's worth it. It's worth it. You can do this. It's not always the experience that people have in church. I know I've used this illustration before. I was talking with a single mom that was just devastated in her life. Single pregnancy. Difficult, difficult, difficult. And somebody said, why didn't you just try to go to church? And she said, why would I go to church? I already feel bad enough about myself. I'm not saying that that church is going to, maybe it's just conviction that, you know, but also what she was saying, I've never encountered a place like climbing companions that say, man, this trail, this trail can kick you hard sometimes, but come on, we'll walk with you. We'll walk with you. It's that, it's that purpose and that practice that Paul says, follow me. And I just feel so inspired to say, what if, what if that could be us as a church? And, but those that watch online, if, I wonder if you really knew the, the atmosphere that happens in this room as people connect with one another and sharpen each other and encourage each other on. Maybe you say, you know what, I'll watch online every once in a while, but boy, I got to get in the room because that's, that's where the life happens. And so Paul says to Timothy, and in an extension to us today, look, we're looking to God's word for teaching, for instruction. So we read things that happened thousands of years ago, and we put it into our life. And what Paul says to Timothy, and what Paul says to you, but you, one translation says, but you, O man of God, but you, O woman of God, but you, my climbing companions, keep following the example of those who have gone on ahead. Keep the scripture close because it's your guide and be willing to be the one that gives out to those that are following with you. And maybe you just as you're evaluating your own life, maybe as you watched the baptisms and heard the testimonies, it just kind of sparked something in your heart like, <laughs> I remember when I was that fired up for Jesus. Or I remember when when I was like full on committed and I still love Jesus, but man, it's just, maybe it's, it's not as hot as it used to be. And maybe you would say, you know, I need to find somebody to follow with a purpose and a practice that, that could help me. Anything worthwhile is, is uphill. It's going to be uphill. We got to do this together. 
I'm not doing it perfectly. We can line up the most perfect people and line them across the front, and we've got them here right now. Nobody's perfect. We've all had those times where we say, man, I could, I could save you a lot of heartache if you maybe listen to my story. Or I could tell you a way to get up over that false summit and, and, and keep going. I can tell you where to take the rests that you need to without burning all your energy in the wrong spot. I can... And as a reminder, maybe you're sitting here today and went, yeah, I had people in my life. I, I remember. I remember. If we took like a full minute of silence and just stopped and thought about the people that had poured into your life to get you to where you're at and you think about those pastors and teachers and, and coaches and mentors and I can think of so many and then I have to turn it and say have I intentionally been that to somebody else because now I am the old guy <laughs> everybody needs a Paul in their life that I can trust to say follow me as I follow Christ and I say I'm following because I know your purpose, I know your practice. It matches. Everybody can be a Barnabas. It's just an encourager and it's helping others on the way. And maybe you are a Timothy right now and you don't have a whole lot to pour back to somebody else and you're just taking it in. But guess what? You can convince other Timothys, Timothys to come along with you. That let's be climbing companions. I was encouraging today to see Paul pour into Timothy's life and an extension to us today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for this example. I thank you for the celebration that we've already done, seeing these individuals, young and old, and, and girls and boys, men and women that are making commitments to you today. God, thank you for that. God, I pray today that as your word goes out, that we would take a moment and respond before we get on to the next. God, I pray that we would uh, have an opportunity to just think this through. Maybe there will be a prayer right now from your heart that says, Jesus, I need a climbing companion. God, give me someone to climb with. You just say that prayer today. He knows. He cares. Maybe your prayer is today, Jesus, man, I... I need a mentor. I've needed one. I need a mentor. I believe you get what you pray for. Ask him for it today. He say, Jesus, I, I want to grow, but I feel stuck on, on a false summit. I'm kind of stuck in this place. Jesus, it's hard. It's uphill. Help me see that you're ahead of me calling me forward. Maybe that would be your prayer. Maybe you realize today because of what you experienced, you've got to let some stuff go and look at what's ahead. And I know sometimes it's not as easy as just deciding that. Perhaps your assignment today, and you just let the Holy Spirit speak to you, would be to enlist a quality Christian counselor that can help you unpackage some of that stuff, kind of take some of the suitcases off so you can keep climbing. I've done that. I do that. It's so helpful. That's one more person that helps call me forward. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. He's going to give you some assignments are you willing to do it? And I want to pray for us as a church. God, help us to be a church that are like Barnabas, that are like climbing companions, that are like the people that we experience 
on a national park trail that are just excited for you to walk the same path that they are and are encouraging and are willing to give of themselves just to say, keep going. I know how it feels to be there. God, make us a church that when people come in, they feel called forward, they feel encouraged, they feel that warm embrace that you give through the hands and feet of others. God, I pray in Jesus' name for that. God, help us. Help us to be a church that celebrates effort and not just points out faults. We have a culture that is so lost. Help us to celebrate anyone that would look towards you, no matter where they're starting from. In Jesus' name. The last thing I'm going to do today, if you're in the room, if you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, man, uh, I never knew this was possible, or I'm at a point in my life where I find... I need to get on this trail. I need to initiate that. I need to start it today. And the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart, your mind, maybe for what you saw this morning already in the baptismal or what you're hearing in the word, or maybe God's just spoken a completely different word that's better than this and you're under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He's pulling you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will pull you. It's your job to allow him to do that. And you could just say a prayer like this, Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you and others that are following you. Jesus, forgive me for the stuff that I've done. Help me to learn to forget the stuff behind and press on ahead. Forgive me, God. The Bible says that if any person confesses that they need God and that they're lost, he is faithful and completely willing to include you and embrace you. And then... The church at its finest, and I'd like to say we do this every time, but man, our effort is to, is we come around people like you that have made a new decision and say, okay, here's the first steps. Here's how we go. If you let us know of a decision you've made, or maybe you have made in the past, let us know, and we want to come around you and help you. And we say, welcome to the trail, climbing companion. Let's go. I know the way to Jesus. Let's go. Thank you, God, that you help us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I want to encourage you before you leave today, we do have a prayer wall. We have left-hand side of the room. Don't leave today. One of the best things we can do for you is pray for you. And I know that some of you carried some things in with you. Stuff's happened in your life right now. The trail, it's uphill. Just let us pray with you before you go. I want to offer that. There'll be people there that love Jesus and would love to pray for you. Um, Would you please stand with me today and... uh, Wow, you know, this is kind of the cool part of the church. <laughs> if you're a guest with us watching online, I mean, you know, we've had more baptisms this year than, and I've been here 18 years. I don't remember this many baptisms in one year. And so I know they're giving you a lot of statistics, like it's the worst, the worst, the worst. I don't know what's going on, but we're getting a lot of people wet and a lot of people following Jesus. That's worth celebrating. Thank you, God. Amen. Awesome. You see somebody in a, in a shirt that says, I have decided, or they've still got wet hair or something, would you congratulate them? Just tell them that's great. Just encourage them along the way. If you have not made that step, we try to make sure this happens quite frequently. So you can write on a communication card, connect card, just say, hey, next baptism, I'm in. And, uh, or maybe let us know online talking to the host. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. 
I pray that God would turn his face toward you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. Yeah, anything worthwhile is uphill, but Jesus is just uphill and he's calling you. Follow him today. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.